Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here, and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we are talking all about finding a buyer and a broker's secrets to sourcing strategic buyers without advertising. And to have on the show, we have Steve Finn from the Finn Group, which is a national brand with a team of more than 50 people throughout Australia, delivering business sales, finance and consulting services. In fact, Steve himself has personally sold hundreds of businesses and franchises over the last 17 years with a combined value of, wait for it, more than a hundred million dollars. So he certainly is more than qualified to talk to us all about what we need to do to source strategic buyers without advertising. So without further ado, here we go with our discussion with Steve. Steve, welcome on board to the Deal Room podcast. Thanks, Joanna. This is awesome. I've been looking forward to this. This is the first one I've done with you, so you can lead me along. <laughs> You don't need that at all. You are super good on your marketing and, and you know, the message that I guess you're giving into the market. So I, I love watching some of the stuff that you're doing. And I think it's a really good topic that we're focusing on today in terms of finding a buyer. So obviously for sellers, um, you know, uh, it's, it's one thing to find the broker, but the thing that they really want at the end of the day is to find the buyer, right? And I'm really interested in your secrets to sourcing strategic buyers without advertising. And we'll come back to that word strategic in a minute. But um, maybe maybe tell me, like, what what does this topic mean to you? I mean, we were talking before and it, it sounded like this was something that we should really dig into. You know, how do you see this on roll for you? How do you use sourcing buyers and strategic buyers without advertising? Yeah, so I guess um, probably one thing I've found is that there's always, I reckon for every business, and there's a lot of businesses that are really niche. So you can get a lot, you get businesses that are kind of like a lot of people who want it and, you know, they're sort of in demand. It ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. They feel comfortable with it. So you're kind of going to get a lot of inquiry for that type of business. But there's a lot of businesses that are actually really niche. And often they're actually the most profitable ones. Um, and I just think that when a client comes to us, I always think to myself, how am I going to find the buyer? Like that's really sort of the the key. And and I reckon there's always between at least between 20 and 100 buyers for every business, at least, because mm-hmm. we've got, say, 25 million of us in the country. Plus, you know, we've got some people always coming from overseas and that sort of stuff. So there's always a minimum between 20 and 100, I reckon. That's what I have in my mind. Mm. And then I just think to myself, okay, well, all of those ones might be suited to it, but who actually is going to then, you know, then it's got to be the right timing. They're ready to buy something, you know, all that sort, that sort of stuff. So then it comes down to, I think, well, how do I get this in front of those people? Because then I know if I can get in front of at least 20. So statistically, if you get a business opportunity in front of at least 20 people who are suited to it, there'll be one of those that will be the buyer. Now, you don't know which one, but 
you've mm. got to get in front of the 20 to be able to sort of see that. Mm. So all the time I just think, how do I get in front of those people? Because I know then statistically it'll sort of work its way through from there and we'll be able, we'll be able to sell it. So number one, it's a numbers game. We need to get, you, you know, enough prospective buyers in there. But, you know, it's all very well and good to say that, but there's, you know, you can't just say it and it's done, right? And before we get to that, I, I just want to move back a step because we've got the word strategic buyers in there. I just want to, I just want to focus on that at the moment because we're not just talking today about sourcing any sort of prospective buyer. We're talking about sourcing strategic buyers. What do you mean by that? Okay. So a strategic buyer, like what I call a strategic buyer is it's normally another business, one business buying another business. Mm. Well, let's put it that way. You know, it might be some investors who are doing that, but um, I always think it's one business buying another business and they're buying it strategically because it fits in with their plan, their long-term plans mm. of what they want to do. So it's an acquisition generally. Um, you know, they might, for example, have it might be in transport. They've got operations in Brisbane and and uh, Sydney, and they don't have a depot operations in Melbourne. So strategically, you know, it works out to be able to buy something in Melbourne. So that's a simple sort of example. That's what I call a strategic buyer. Now that's kind of easy because there's a lot of transport businesses just go out to them and you know say this is what we've got got in Melbourne. But some things, um, it's hard. It's hard to think. Well, who actually would buy this, and who does it suit, and who's yeah. going to have the money? So. Yeah, I love all those questions because it's different to just throwing it out to the market as a scattergun approach. Like what you're talking about here is really thinking through, you know, who this could work for, who this business could work for. And when we talk about strategic buyers, you know, my opinion is that strategic buyers are better buyers. They're willing to pay a bit more um, often and um, and often they're coming in with a grounding um, in, in the business that they're looking to buy. So an understanding of the business that they're looking to buy. And quite often that's an easier buyer to deal with than someone that's got little knowledge about it. Yeah. Don't you think? Is yeah. that your experience too? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Because they already know about it. They know the industry generally. It's just better. Sometimes, like there's one, I'll give you one example though, where it can be a little bit different. Like what I'll, I try to do is I think to myself, who should buy it? Who do I think should buy it? Now, sometimes they don't know yet that they should buy it. Yeah. But, but what I'll do is um, I'll think to myself, okay, I reckon they should buy this. Now, provided they'll listen to me and let me sort of put this to them and say, hey, guys, here's why I reckon you should buy it. So, give an example. There's one business that we've Got for sale. It's almost sold now, so it's probably go through very soon. But it's an online retailer, and also got a got a physical um, presence as well. And there's actually a a listed company that's in sort of a similar space, but this business wouldn't be on their radar. It's kind of too small. It's mm. too small. They probably don't even know about it. But the some of the team in there would know about it. But the the CEO and you know the people are making decisions on an acquisition. They don't even know about it. Mm. So what we did here was, I, but I thought, hey, they actually should buy this because I can see what they can do with it and how it actually does add value to their current offering. And then, then they can sort of own and dominate this particular niche that they're not really in now. They're kind of just on the edge of it, but they're actually, they could then grow their revenue quite a lot with that. And their share price, see, these guys can buy businesses on four and five times multiple mm. uh, when they're listed. And if they're trading at, at a 12 times multiple, mm. Well, automatically they bring it in and they've bought it for four 
and that just automatically the value goes to 12 because mm-hmm. the revenue and the profit just go straight into onto their balance sheet and onto their P&L. So basically from there, they've already got a big win because mm-hmm. they're already trading at a higher multiple anyway, so it sort of, sort of suits them. So I've gone to those guys and I've said, okay, you, I reckon you guys should buy this. And, and in the first instance, they were, they were like, oh, no, we're not interested in sort of, that's a bit too small for us. That was their first thing. So it's really hard to get in front of these guys and get them to actually listen. You know, like mm. this is a CEO of a listed company, right? Mm. So mm. it's very, very difficult. And this is part of where the skill and the and how you approach them and how you get that to them kind of works. And then um, I was able to get a further conversation going and said, okay, but let, let me show you what I've got in mind. And you tell me if I'm off track, that's fine. But if I'm on track, well, you know, maybe it could be a good thing for you. If, mm. So then they've done that. They've had a look and they've gone, they actually said, oh, okay, right. Yes, didn't really think of that. So then they were very open. They looked at it in depth. Now, it got to the point where they actually decided not to buy it, these particular guys. So someone else is probably going to buy it. But even still, they, were, they actually got pretty close. And they went from being not even knowing about it to probably getting themselves to about a one in three chance that they might buy it. So they went kind of from here to like way up here as a real contender. And that's what the difference is. That's kind of what you need to do to be able to then find and identify strategic buyers. But then you've got to be able to then get your presentation in front of them at the same time. Because mm. in that case there, like they'll pay top dollar, you know, mm. for our client. And that's that's one of the main things that's really important, obviously. Absolutely. And even though they didn't end up going through um, with, you know, with them acquiring um, this business, there's a lot to be said for the competitive tension that can be brought on yes. board, you know, when when you've got multiple prospective buyers, particularly where one is quite large. I just feel like that often that can lend a bit of a bit of extra authenticity and credibility to the business that's on the market. I don't know. Yep. Do, do you find that? I find yeah. competitive tension is such a, you know, <laughs> such a useful um, element. For sure. Definitely. And like, you know, obviously me being a, the person in between, I'm kind of going to drop that a little bit to anyone else who's looking at it as well. Look, you know, some big companies looking at it, you know, maybe these guys, these guys. So that helps me to be able to get, you know, a better deal for my client mm. at, at that same time. And um, yeah, competitive tensions, it's um, sometimes it goes against us though, because sometimes what happens then is that our client, the vendor who's selling their business, they can sort of get Oh, you know, I don't want to say big-headed, but yes. almost like they're like, oh, right, all these people want to. They get caught up in the marketing spiel, yeah. Yeah, these big companies want to buy my business. Oh, look, you know, maybe I can get more. Maybe I'm like, hey, hang on. You know, they don't necessarily want to buy it. Like we had to fight tooth and nail just to get it in front of them in the first place. So let's not, you know, don't think they're bashing our door down. But anyway, yeah, so, but. I just sort of let them know that and then yeah. they're normally okay. And, yeah. you know, look, I just, I, I actually just want at this point to say, you, you know, obviously I do a, a lot of work in this industry and see how hard you work as a broker. You know, there's just a lot of work in finding yeah. these buyers, aren't there? And I, yeah. I think that that, I really honestly think that that is not well understood. I, I don't think people understand how much effort is involved in finding finding not one buyer but enough buyers to out of this pool find the right buyer. Yeah. Um and then you know to go through the whole process. Uh it's it's a long process, you know, and uh, there's a lot of work involved, right? Yeah, honestly there is. I think it's um look as all of us who are in professional services um, I think, you know, lawyers, accountants, you know, financial advisors, us as business brokers, 
and I'd put us in professional services for sure, particularly at this at this level, what I call M and A. So M mm. and A for us is sort of two to fifty million enterprise value. Mm. So at this level, I think a lot of our colleague or we, we all have things that we do that there's a lot of effort goes into it that our clients don't realise, yeah, you know, all yeah. of us, we all do. We've all got those particular things. Mm. And, you know, and often, you know, a, a lot of accountants out there, they would know this. There's amount of work sometimes they do that they just don't bill for mm. and they can't bill for because they just go like, oh, this is just going to cause a drama, but they mm. just have to sort of get the work done anyway. Like we've all got that that sort of stuff and we're no different. Like we don't just oh, a buyer and a seller just come along and we just make a commission. No, no not at all. You know, like this, the amount of effort that has to go into trying to find find someone, just even get it, get them to even express some interest. From day one, they're highly sceptical for mm. everyone. From the first inquiry, they're extremely sceptical. All they're doing is looking for what's wrong with it, mm. with every business. So you really need a salesperson. You can't yeah. sell businesses like uh, on any level, uh, purely just by relying on you know the financials and that sort of stuff, because there's no business that's been going for 20 years and it's just incrementally gone up on a perfect scale every year with their revenue and every year with their profit and de-risk themselves a little bit more. I've never seen one. Mm. It doesn't happen like that. There's always some ups and downs and they've just had a boom, boom period in the last two years till they've mm. been a bit quieter last two years, whatever. Mm. So you need a salesperson who can not not in a negative way, but just to be able to point out and say, okay, yes, this is the way it's been, but why don't we take a broader view and look at the last 10 years mm. and what has actually happened in the last two and why has it boomed a little bit more? Or why has it gone down a little, little bit more? Let's explore because maybe that's a good opportunity for you. And maybe instead of paying five times multiple, as a result of that, it puts you in a stronger position as a buyer to pay three or three and a half. Yeah. So it's actually good for you. Yeah. See, that's the that's the salesperson the sort story, of what they can it? do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And recognize the potential um and you know be able to sell that too. Okay, so we've talked about you know what strategic buy means and why it's a good thing to focus on. And we've talked about the need for volume of prospective buyers in order to get the right one. How do we do it? I love this idea that we can do this maybe even without advertising. Talk yes. us through that crazy idea loop. What what does that mean, Steve? Yes, so you definitely can. And, and advertising publicly is not always the most suitable way, depending on a business. So I sort of go like this. So I reckon under $2 million enterprise value, that's normally a family buying another business from a family as a rough guide. Um, and in that market space, you you, you want to advertise publicly. You want to go out on all the websites and do all the normal marketing for where families are looking because it's not a strategic purchase. Once you then move, I reckon, above a couple of million enterprise value, it gets beyond the regular normal family who's going to buy a business. It starts to become an acquisition, one business buying another or a small group of investors buying another or an investor buying, you know, so it becomes a little bit different. So that's where, and these people aren't, they're not out necessarily looking on the public forums where things are advertised. Plus also a lot of our clients don't want to, they don't want to, they want to keep it below the radar. They don't want all their public, the customers, their staff, you know, and their senior management finding out that necessarily that they're interested in sort of selling. So it has to be sort of done with under the radar approaches, I suppose, is what we say. So I'll give you a quick insight as to what we do. So the first thing what, what we'll do is we'll have a look and say, okay, who should buy this? So I sort of touched on that before. Who actually should buy this? Who does it suit? And from that, we might come up with some different categories. We might come up with some certain businesses um, that should buy it. We might come up with some investment investor profiles 
because we've got a lot of connections into small private equity private equity and a lot of accountants where they might, uh, sometimes a lot of accountants are running some acquisitions with a couple of clients themselves, two or three clients, they run it together and they might buy something. Um, the other buyer, the other buyers can be, um, we've had a bit of a pause on it uh, with COVID, but that's all going to come back probably bigger than ever, which is going to be um, overseas buyers who want to yeah. invest into Australia and then, you know, obviously obtain some citizenship down the track, I think. Yeah. So yeah. those as well. And in those, in that case, I'll give an example of what we'll look for there is we'll approach people overseas and do some marketing overseas and say, you could buy this, if you're already in, say, the... I don't know, transport industry and you're in China or, you, or you're in, you know, the Middle East or whatever, you might want to buy this particular business in Australia because it's in the transport industry as well. So, you already kind of know it. Mm. And also, this is the way that our visa system works and how you might be able to gain Australian citizenship. So, we kind of package them up together to those guys. So, mm. we can do that, do that sort of stuff, direct approach. Mm. And we deal with a lot of migration agents around Australia. We've got, you know, there's more, you know, there's actually... Um, just under 10,000 registered migration agents in Australia. Just Holy under 10,000. I couldn't believe really? it. When I, when I defined it out, I thought, oh, how many migration agents were there? I don't know, you know, maybe 300 or 400. There's just under 10,000 registered. And a lot of those are lawyers where they're just, they can do the transaction, not necessarily running a migration business. Mm. But still, there's a lot of lot of those. Anyway, hmm. there's, there's those, those sort of ones. But the other, when we're looking for businesses to be able to buy, so another business, which is that's just more around that strategic side. So we're tr- finding out who they are. And then what we do is it's really manual. And this is one of the worst things sort of about what we have to do, Joanna, because it's sort of so tedious, but we have to do it, is we'll actually literally get online. There'll be two or three of us and I'll kind of lead the project in this sense. And we'll go and we'll do, we'll be using um, different databases that we'll be searching through online to try to find out. We'll create a list of all the businesses that should buy this. And we can sometimes spend two, three, four days full-time, three or four of us full-time just searching and creating these lists of who we want. Then we've sort of got the business. Then we've got to get the name of the right person, that's the right personal people that are inside those businesses. So we're then searching around again and we're doing all that sort of You've got to manually create these lists. Oh, my that, goodness, Steve. I know. Bring my head in. We've got to find their email address. We've got to find their LinkedIn. We've got to find their phone number. We've got to find their postal address. So we do all that stuff. We create our list. And then what we'll do, and this is probably um, the other part of the secret of how we do this, one is not many brokers will do that necessarily because there's a lot of work in it. But if you've got the team and you can do it, I reckon it's worth it. That's why we do it. The other part then is you've got to, you've got to contact them in multiple ways. So we'll email them, we'll phone them, uh, we'll contact them via LinkedIn, and then we'll also direct mail them. We'll send them a letter as well because sometimes they'll get all four, but sometimes their PA will catch the email and go, oh, no, that's gone. Sometimes we'll leave a message, but they got 100 calls that day, so that they just, you know, whatever, they just forget about it. But one way or another, the goal is, is that they'll at least see it. All I want them to do is see it, see what mm-hmm. we've got here. And then that opens up a chance for me to have a conversation. So I might go to 100, brings me down to 20 who then respond back, and then we just work through and deal with all the 20 because I wish it would be great if we just knew the one, but we never do. <laughs> And then we end up with, you know, two or three that are kind of real, they'll go a little bit deeper and they'll really start to look into it. It could fit. And then we'll have one that we end up sort of doing a deal with. And that's basically how it happens. So. I love it. Okay. And so, 
I mean, do, do you guys advertise at all? I'm sure you do some advertising sometimes, or this is really the method for you know that over that that sort of over two million space. Yeah, so this is the main method. Sometimes what we'll do is we will still advertise publicly on like all the business for sale websites and that sort of stuff, but we might go what we call unbranded. Mm. So we might just say, you know, we've got a um, manufacturing business that's yeah. in, you know, Western Sydney or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And yeah. Be really generic about it. And that just gives us the fifth lot of people where we can, uh, that's the the general people or the the ones who we just kind of, for whatever reason, they didn't hit our list, we missed them. But it gives us a chance for people who are searching themselves. See, that what we've done is proactive, where we've gone to them. Mm. But the, if we advertise that way, that's reactive, where we've put something up and allow them to then come inquire and see it. So sometimes we do need to cover that, cover that as well. And I normally just throw that in anyway. We sort of do something like that just to catch that extra person. But it's 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 not as common for the buyer to come from there. They still mm. can come from there, and they but it's not as common. Because they're, it's not strategic, I suppose. That's why. Mm. Do you ever end up with multiple potential buyers and one buyer ends up doing the deal and then you've got other opportunities so you suddenly go, okay, well, we, we're going to go and find a vendor for these buyers? Like does it ever turn a little bit buyer's agency for you or not? Not really. I mean, yes, we've done it, but it doesn't happen that often really. Yeah, they're normally pretty fixated fixed on what that one thing that yeah. we're kind of talking about. The only times that happens is if we've got someone who's in acquisition mode. So like, for example, there's some groups buying dental practices, accounting practices, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we might have one, we're talking to them and then they're, they're already open, well open-minded anyway. So they're like, oh, well, if any, you know, can you go and find us something that's on the lower North Shore or wherever it might be that they might want something or in the, you know, eastern suburbs of Melbourne or wherever it is that they're kind of thinking, can you try to find us something? And then we might go and do that. Yeah, we can just do the same thing. We would, exactly like I said, then we'll just go out to the mall. So we've got someone who's interested in buying in your space. They're interested in this kind of industry. Childcare is another one. And then they, then we can sort of... Um, get a response back from there and just see if it all fits and try to do a deal. Yeah, love it, love it. I mean, it's interesting, this whole question about buyer's agents. We're going off on a bit of a tangent. I'll bring it back, <laughs> Steve, don't worry. But I just I just had this moment of intrigue when we're talking about the whole buyer's agent thing because overseas, it, you know, it, it's it's quite a thing. But here in Australia, it just doesn't seem to be with business sale. What do you yeah. reckon that is? I don't know. I, I look, you know how in America when you buy property, you kind of have a – you have an ad, a, an agent that works for the buyer, an agent works for the seller. You've, you've seen that, you know, on those yeah, TV shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, re- I reckon that's great. I know. So much better. <laughs> I know. So much I'm just better. intrigued with. Um, I'm just intrigued with how I. I just feel. Um, you, you know, I guess my, what I think maybe is at play, and I talk to a lot of buyers, a lot of buyers who are out there looking, um, and but I don't know. I feel like there's this psyche here in Australia that the seller pays, not the buyer, yeah. and it's just hard to break that psyche. I don't know, yeah. do you, but I just I see the need. It's just it, anyway, it's just an interesting thing. But yeah, uh, it, it should it, it should happen. And then what happens is like in America, say the commission's five percent on a house or two percent or whatever it is, they then just go halves. Both agents just go halves ah. every time. So it's just they get half half each. The, the what it does is the the difference here is the buyer kind of works for themselves. They go out and represent themselves. Yeah. Here, you know, the the person is purchasing. Whereas, um, and in a house, you know, well, maybe you know, you could see, yeah, sure, that's fine. But 
with a business, you know, it's so much better. Like, well, I know when we've represented buyers who are looking for things, like I can just see so much faster the things that they should look for. Uh, I can cull things out really quick. Yeah. And it's and it's just a better way to go because um, and it it's just experience. I've just seen a lot more than they have. You know, that's the only thing. Yeah. And then I, I can help negotiate a better deal. It's not because like I'm going to be tougher and harder. It's not that. It's just because I know more about it. I can so I can just point out to the other guys. I can go look with this guys. Like we're happy to pay like 1.5 mil, but if we're going to do that, you need to just make sure that this needs to get fixed or tweaked up or included in it. Otherwise, mm. for us, then it's only worth like 1.3. So, mm. I don't know. What do you want to do? And you see what I'm saying? Oh, well, I love it. No, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, look, it makes complete sense. I'm I'm just, as I say, I'm fascinated, you know, the extent to which it really hasn't grabbed in um, in the market here in Australia. And I just, I'm, I'm just a bit like, mm, I, I feel like I, I actually think it's something that will change because it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I hope so. It's yeah. hard. To, culturally, it's difficult to change though. Like, that's a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we've gone way off topic. So back back to the topic, which is um, all about finding a buyer and sourcing those strategic buyers without advertising. This is um, it's a fabulous um, run through that you've given us today, Steve. It's great, uh, you know, really good insights. I think into the things that sellers need to be thinking about, and you know, of course, there's a lot of focus. Well, actually, to be completely honest, quite often there's not enough focus on getting a business prep for market. But mm. but a lot of that focus, you know, um, doesn't necessarily seem to be on, well, who is the bot? Who is our potential pool of buyers? And I just really love this sort of clever approach of, of working through it all. Um, I, I guess, do you have any sort of last minute parting thoughts for, for our audience in this area? You know, if they're thinking of selling a business or thinking of building for sale into the future, because I guess implicit in what you're talking about here is that there are buyers who, um, who might pay more. Um, and quite often, you know, on the basis of what you've said, and personally, the basis of what I've seen as well, the larger the buyer is, the, you you know, the, the higher the likelihood that they can pay more um, and get an immediate, a quicker uplift in, in the value of what they've acquired. So, what should our sellers be thinking about in advance to get themselves I don't know, positioned right to yeah. get this best opportunity of getting a good solid pool of prospective buyers? Well, I guess there's two parts. So getting it sold is one thing that's like conversion. So, you know, people look for their, the main things they look for is that it's not overly reliant on the owner and that the business is, um, you know, it's kind of got a good infrastructure in it. So ideally you want to get the owner, the owner's in a certain role and then you, Basically, they're you know the directors of the company, they or whatever, the, however it's structured, but they're they're overseeing it as their own investment. And um, sure, you know they might be involved. That's that's fine, but they're that it's not all about them necessarily. Because mm. then it's much easier because I can just say, okay, so we're selling this. So you, all you do is you just take over their role. And here's what yeah. they do. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. So that's sort of how it, how it is. And then as long as they feel, oh yeah, well we could take over that role. Well, then it's easier to sell. You're going to get a high multiple. If they look and go, geez, I don't even, we've got no idea how to do that. They're way too specialized. This person, they've done it for 30 years and they know everything and it's all yes. about them. Yes. See how it's harder to take over that role now. So yes. that's sort of conversion. And when it comes to the actually finding the buyers, probably my advice would be, um, and this is maybe something that people have picked up to, today 
uh, from actually listening here uh, that might not have known it before. We know we're talking before about things that, that you have to do and it, it, we're all in professional services and there's things that we do that people don't really know. Mm. And I think this is one of them, which is the you can't just go to any broker, you know, who it's the same in all professional services. People do things differently. Mm. Um and if you've got a bit, if you've just got a cafe or something like that, you can probably go to any broker. It probably doesn't really matter. You know, they're just going to advertise publicly, like I said before, and a regular mm. family is going to come along and buy it. But when it comes to anything that's like this, where you want a strategic buyer, it's niche, you have to talk to the company, the broker, broking company, and you want to know how do you tell me about your marketing department? and what mm. you've actually got and what you actually do and how you find buyers and dig into it a little bit. Don't just, you know, if they just say, oh, yeah, we have we do this and we do that, you're like, okay, but okay, how many people in your team do that? Because if, they, if they've got substance, like like us, like I said, like we, we've got it all together. We've got six people in our marketing team and I'll use three or four of them for this type of particular thing. And it's specific, I went through the specifics of exactly how we do it. If other people are doing that, they're going to get a similar result to us. Mm. So that's sort of what you want. But if they're like, oh, yeah, we sort of, you know, and they don't really do direct mail and they don't, because mm. direct mail, people think, oh, direct mail, you know, that's old fashioned. Believe me, it's our number one result. It's our number one thing that gets us the, because people open a letter. I love it. I yeah. love old school. This old is school. super awesome. I just love the whole, you yeah. know, that people are still doing direct mail. That's yeah, awesome. it's gold. And like, <laughs> I've got, I've got one of my team members who we've hired specifically for this, all she does is write direct mail letters and she handwrites on the envelopes, handwrites everything. Stop. Be- yep, that's all she does. She's in Brisbane. She does this for us, uh, for us nationally. She handwrites them and she. the reason she does that is because people will always open a handwritten envelope. And like I said before at the beginning, it's um, all I want them to do is see it. I just want this potential buyer to see it. That's mm. all. If I like, I can get them to see it. If they see it and they go, oh, no, I don't want to buy it, okay, that's fine. But as long as they could see it, that's the main thing. So all those little things is what you sort of what you want to do. So that's my only tip is look for the right broker who does that stuff with depth. We do it. We're not the only ones. Others probably do it too. So then you just find out um, that and then you'll get a result. Otherwise, if you go to someone who doesn't, then you'll have it on the market. It's niche. Nothing much is happening. Then all of a sudden that your vendor thinks, oh, maybe our business is not worth what we thought it was and maybe mm. no one's really interested in it. Mm. So then they just drop the price. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it was worth, you know, they wanted $5 million and they end up, you know, now they, just, they think, oh, well, we better drop it to four and drop it to three. Mm. No, the price was probably exactly fine. There was just that no, the people who would buy it never even saw it. Yeah. Or, or you know, there's just such a small pool of buyers that, um, as you said, you know, out of 20, you have one drop in. And I've just seen, you know, I've seen some horrendously long processes, I guess, as we all have in this industry, but where, but, you know, some horrible examples of buyers just stringing along sellers, you know, and going through a process when, you you know, at the end of the day, they don't feel um, any sort of sense of urgency and it just sort of withers away. And, you know, the poor sellers are just sitting there forever, constantly feeding information or what it is that whatever they're having to do as part of the process. And and it can just be nasty if you just don't have enough of a pool of buyers. Yeah. 
well. Exactly right, yeah, because you've got no, like you said, avoid competitive tension. Mm. And the broker needs to be strong and lead the process. Mm. So there. So if that happens, and I've seen that happen in our group too, you know, we're not immune to it, but because mm. we're the biggest in Australia at selling business, we've got people all around the place. And sometimes, you know, I can't be involved in every single deal. But then the guys have called me or I've had a child, I need some advice. I've had a look and I go, how long has this person been doing this due diligence and looking? I'm like, God almighty, you know, take some control. I know. Do you know what? And I'm, look, off topic again, but I'm all for like put in a time frame, keep the buyers to a short due diligence period. I yep. mean, something that's reasonable for them to actually, you know, go through their inquiries. But ultimately I find um, any buyer that's going through a super long DD period ultimately won't buy it. That's what I reckon at the yeah. end of the day because they are either A, don't have enough education and they just, you know, are overly risk averse or just don't understand what they're looking at or they're just, they're they're actually playing off a few businesses at once. So yeah. I, yeah. I just And they don't generally have the appetite. They think they've kind of got the appetite, but when push comes to shove, they're not going to have it. Yeah. And um and you're exactly right. If the longer it goes, the less likely that they that they're going to buy. Basically. Yeah. Like all the deals that I've done, I reckon ninety five percent of them. You know, we all kind of know within the first two or three weeks. Yep. Look, yeah. oh, yes, it's basically yes. I actually probably do want to buy it. All right. Well, let's just go through and double check everything to make sure you know you know what you're getting. Yeah. So we go through that part. Yep. I know what I'm getting. All right. We've got that. All right. Done. Let's do it. Yeah. That's really sort of how it should be. Oh, we yeah. get to the oh no, it's not not what I thought it was. No problem. Yeah. You know, you're not the buyer and you've got to find some, something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as a seller, be careful of those ridiculous DD lists. I think sometimes when you can see a massive one come through, you're like, okay, <laughs> let's see if this one actually ends up, you know, exchanging. But anyway, yes, yes, um, yeah. there we go. Um, last minute tip there, make sure you really keep the buyers to a sensible time frame. So, uh, you know, you're not yep. letting it run out too long. Okay. Well, that's it. Look, I just want to say a massive thank you, Steve, for coming on to the show today. Um, it's, I think we've, We've unearthed some gold there. There's been a lot that we've talked about, gone, gone, um, you know, off piste a few times. But anyway, I, th- I think it's been a really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. How can our listeners find you if they, or you, you know, for any of our, our listeners with clients, want to direct their clients to you? Where, where do they go? Okay, yeah. So best thing is just go to our website, which is thefingroup.com.au. And there's a contact form on there that's just, you know, general contact there. And if you just write in there, hey, I want to talk to Steve, then um, that'll end up coming to my into my inbox at some point. So then I'll just give you a buzz and we'll have a chat. Brilliant. Absolutely love it, Steve. Well, look, once again, thank you so much for joining us on the Deal Room podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Joanna. Cheers. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Deal Room Podcast. Of course, we were talking all about finding a buyer and a top broker's secrets to sourcing a strategic buyer or strategic buyers without advertising. And of course, we had our discussion today with a fabulous Steve Finn from the Finn Group. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, just head over to our website at www.thedealroompodcast.com. 
com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. But I warn you right now, it's not word perfect because it's automatically transcribed. So, um, so just a warning right there. It may not be a perfect transcript, but you'll certainly be able to see the gist of what we're talking about. Um, and of course, at that website, you'll also be able to find details of how to contact Steve Finn or the other brokers at the Finn Group and you will also be able to find details of how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity so don't hesitate to book an appointment if you'd like to find out how we can assist And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then don't forget to head over to your favorite podcast player and hit subscribe so that we are delivered right to your phone every week as we release. And if you feel so inclined, why not go and leave us a review as well? Because that's very helpful for us to extend our listening audience. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.